Hello and welcome to the Forest of Pop Culture Fae. I am Miller C. Lashbrook, and I am your fairy host on your journey through the Forest of Pop Culture. This week on Pop Culture Fae, I will be talking about Marvel's What If Season 2. I hope you enjoy. Okay, before I get into What If Season 2, I'm going to share my uh, things that I've been watching, reading, consuming this week. For uh, books, I am still reading Blood of Olympus uh, by Rick Riordan. I'm excited to finish out the Heroes of Olympus series, see how it comes to an end, and knowing kind of where Rick heads with The Trials of Apollo I am excited that I can already in this book see the seeds being laid with Apollo as a character there, which makes me really excited to keep reading uh, Rick Riordan's books and get caught up on those. Comics I haven't read a lot this week. I mean, going back to work after the holiday, just being drained in the evening um, has definitely turned down the amount of time I've been reading. For TV... Percy Jackson, still my recommendation. I think this week's episode, episode four, is the best that we've gotten yet. And that's saying a lot because every episode's been great. (laughs) And so if you have not jumped on the the train of watching uh, the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, get on it. It is moving and it is a wonderful ride. And I think every new episode we get, it's just going to make it an even better binge too. So I think... Really, episode four is probably a great place to get on board, jump in, watch the first four episodes, be ready for this Tuesday when episode five comes out. And um, the other kind of TV thing that I want to put a shout out here to, because it was just like such a surprise to me that it was so great, was Pokemon Concierge. So this is a Netflix show. It is in a claymation animation style for episodes they're all like 20 minutes or less uh with the episode so it's a really quick watch but it is just this cute little show about a woman who is working at a resort where pokemon and trainers stay and it is like if you're a pokemon fan or you grew up watching pokemon or playing the games and you ever imagined just like a pet kind of type interaction with Pokemon, this show is going to show that to you. If your favorite moments of the Pokemon anime growing up were the moments where they're just like sitting around a picnic table and eating and the Pokemon are running around and being playful, this is the show for you. And also for a concept that should or could end up being very... Uh, targeted at children. I mean, I think the storyline that the main character goes through is a very like adult human storyline. It's not, I wouldn't say it's a mature storyline, right? But it's something that adults might go through. Um, And so I think this is definitely a great show for anybody to watch. And it's just adorable. The animation style is perfect for Pokemon. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It's uh, Pokemon Concierge on Netflix. For movies this week, (laughs) not really a new one. I mean, the holidays is a time where, like, in that post-Christmas, 
leading up to New Year's and kind of right after New Year's time, a lot of times what I like to watch or what um, my husband and I like to watch are we like to rewatch movies that give us that same kind of nostalgia that Christmas has without being Christmas movies. And so this week that was the Star Wars prequels, but also Lord of the Rings, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so just if you need a cozy watch this week, Maybe you're getting hit with one of these crazy storms that's going across the country, right? If you need a cozy watch while you're just staying in and staying out of the intense weather, the Lord of the Rings extended extended editions would be my recommendation. They're all on max and it's just like, put it on. You could have your switch in your hand playing video games or you're on your computer and you've just got a nice cozy movie on in the background that still holds up uh, nearly two decades later. And then in terms of games, speaking of playing on the switch this week, I continued to um, play through the Indigo disc of Pokemon Violet, the second part of the DLC really enjoyed it. Uh, Maybe in a couple weeks here, I might do an episode on it. I think I might wait though until we get the epilogue uh, that we're supposed to be getting for the game here as a free update in, um, I think, the next month or so. So I'll probably talk about that on the podcast, but I think I'm going to wait until we do get that epilogue so I can talk about kind of like everything for Scarlet and Violet, uh, both parts of the DLC and the epilogue there. So that was my my week in what I was consuming, what kind of pop culture was on my mind. Alrighty, so what if season two? Now I'm going to try something new here in this second season of Pop Culture Fae, where I'm thinking I want to give a little bit of background about the different things I'm talking about. I'm not going to go full, like deep into like making of and all those kinds of things, but I think giving a little bit of context to what I'm going to be talking about before I share my thoughts can be valuable, especially if you're somebody who maybe hasn't watched the thing that I'm talking about or read the thing I'm talking about, it might give you a little bit of, like I said, context there. So um, I'm going to be talking about what if season two today is my main topic. What if uh, Marvel's what if is an animated show on Disney plus it is the first animated series in the Marvel cinematic universe and it's produced by Marvel studios. Now, the first season came out back in August of 2021, had nine episodes similar to season two, and was a moderate success. Even like with the success of What If Season One, Marvel Studios went on to kind of start building their own little animation house within Marvel Studios, Marvel Studios Animation, and they are working on producing multiple shows now. So uh, they produced the second season of What If, but they're also working to produce a show called Eyes of Wakanda um, with Ryan Coogler, which is going to be about like Wakanda's history in the MCU. They're producing a Spider-Man series, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which may or may not be MCU canon. It's probably going to be just like in another universe. They're also producing a 
um, Marvel Zombie Show, and they're working on bringing back the X-Men animated series from the 90s with X-Men 97 later this year. So you can kind of, what if season one, you can think of that as like the Iron Man of the animated part of the MCU as kind of like the origin for it. The show itself uh, is based on a comic series from Marvel Comics. These what if comics were introduced in the, um, <laughs> let me see, in 1977 was when the first what if series was introduced. And really, they were all about just asking these what if questions and giving us a different version of the Marvel universe where something happened differently. And so um, with the first issue in February of 77, you had what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four? And so it was kind of asking, like, instead of him going off and doing his own thing in his debut comic, what if he just became a fifth member of the Fantastic Four? And what if has this interesting history in the comics of propose of like posing these questions that then sometimes end up becoming canon in like the main timeline in a different way. So famously there's a what if comic of like, what if Jane Foster lifted Mjolnir? And that was like a fun, what if issue that was a one-off story, but then decades later, Jason Aaron in his run on Thor famously had Thor become unworthy and Jane Foster lifted the hammer and became the mighty Thor, which then the MCU went on to adapt into Thor Love and Thunder in their own way, right? So it's kind of interesting that What If has this history, and so it'll be fun to see if in our animated, if our MCU version of What If, if we get these episodes that then end up kind of folding back into the main sacred timeline of the MCU, if anything kind of comes back to it. Uh, and I think this season definitely has some things that could get folded into the main timeline. That would be fun, right? And we're already kind of, we already kind of saw that, right? Season one, we had Captain Carter appear in What If? And then we had a version of Captain Carter, not the same one, appear in... 838 in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So we're already kind of seeing that relationship starting here. But yeah, so the What If TV show, um, it's in this cool cel-shaded uh, animation style where it's kind of this mix of 3D and 2D animation. Uh, it, the, it was created by AC Bradley and uh, is produced by Marvel Studios. And kind of our main character that we can expect to see in every episode is the Watcher, played by Jeffrey Wright of Westworld fame, amongst other things. Amazing actor, right? So that's kind of a little bit of a background of the show. And so now I'm going to shift more into my thoughts on season two, because I think so much of this show is like the fun and surprise of watching these stories unfold. I'm actually not going to do any major spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't watched the show, I'm just going to share my thoughts my overall thoughts on the show here. Um, I'm going to rank the episodes in the order that I enjoyed them, but I'm not going to go into heavy story spoilers because I think if you haven't seen it, I want you to kind of be able to go in, watch it, and have a good time yourself, especially since they're such bite-sized stories being around 20 minutes each. So there were nine episodes in season two. 
some of which are kind of brand new standalone stories, others of which connect to things in season one. And so I'm just going to go through and kind of talk about each one. I'm going to start with the episode that um, was my least favorite and work my way up to my favorite episode. Now, before I do this, I will say all nine of these episodes were enjoyable and fun to watch. If I was giving a letter grade to all of these episodes, they all are scoring at least a B or higher. So I don't think there's any of these nine episodes that are not fun or not enjoyable to watch. There's just some that I enjoyed more than others. So I'll start off by saying that. So at number nine is episode three, What If Happy Hogan Saved Christmas? This episode premiered on Christmas Eve. It was kind of our Christmas special type episode. And this episode was really festive. It was definitely kind of taking people who love Die Hard and love Iron Man 2 and kind of combining those two things into a movie. And so me as someone who, and I know I'm in the minority here, as someone who has Iron Man 2 as their favorite of the Iron Man trilogy, which again, I know I'm in the minority there. But having uh, some characters from Iron Man 2 come back, uh, we have Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer again in this episode. That really made me smile. And then also just, it's Christmassy. There's a ton of Christmas jokes. The atmosphere is seen, definitely seen on screen. We have characters wearing fun kind of Christmas versions of their outfits. We have nods to other Christmas movies happening in this episode. That's really fun. But I mean, honestly, the best part of this episode is just seeing more of Avengers Tower. The fact that in the MCU, right, in Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers Tower was sold to somebody. We don't know who yet, right? Uh, and so we haven't really seen Avengers Tower in that many movies other than in Homecoming and in Age of Ultron, right? All the other stuff is either while it was still Stark Tower in the first Avengers movie or we were seeing uh, the Avengers compound, right, in the later movies after Age of Ultron. And so really in this episode, getting to see different rooms in there, uh, in the tower and where things were, what it looked like was just a lot of fun. Then for me, episode eight, or sorry, my eighth favorite episode is episode four. What if Iron Man crashed into the Grandmaster? Now I think part of why this one's a little lower on my list, because it is a fun episode and Jeff Goldblum is just doing the most, uh, the fact that he came back to just do a voice for the Grandmaster is fantastic. I think the reason why this one is ranked a little bit lower is because it was supposed to be a season one episode. And so it feels like it, it like it feels like it fits better with that season and less with the vibe of this season. So in season one, in the finale, we have this kind of crossover of multiple episodes. And one of the characters that we got in that finale crossover was this Gamora who had supposedly defeated Thanos and was wearing Thanos's armor and everything. And so this episode starts with basically reminding us of that and then being like, oh, but now we're going to get how that happened, which the episode 
does tell us how that happened, but Gamora is not the main character, which makes it like interesting, right? The main character here is Tony. It, it's kind of posing this question of like, if he didn't come back through the wormhole during the events of Avengers, right? He would end up on Sakaar is what this episode is uh, supposing. It's a lot of fun specifically with this episode though. I could not, not think of there's this like early 2000s direct to video Hot Wheels movie animated movie. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, please let me know that I did not like hallucinate this movie that I remember renting from Blockbuster. But it just has this like feel of like transforming cars or, or like absurd death race type vehicles it has mad max vibes it's a lot of fun then uh, my seventh favorite episode is episode five what if captain carter fought the hydras number now apparently the internet a lot of people are ranking this one higher i think maybe i need to rewatch this episode <laughs> um because we watched this one while we had like people like at our house for the week during the holidays and everything so Maybe I just wasn't in the right mindset when we were watching this episode. But this is essentially taking the Captain Carter character that popped up in season one, uh, episode one, and giving her her own Winter Soldier movie. So if season one, episode one was her Captain America First Avengers movie, this is her Winter Soldier. And it's great. Uh, I think the best part of this episode is the incorporation of things from 2021's Black Widow movie uh, and having some characters come back from that. And I mean, the internet has agreed with me here. This episode definitely gives some vibes <laughs> with Captain Carter and Natasha. Um, like, romantic vibes i should say like they're talking about having movie nights and getting uh carter caught up on the things that she missed while she was gone in the time gap like they do in winter soldier but it just feels very much like oh uh like less girls nighty and more like oh we're gonna have a movie night date and like romantic vibes going on um which eh, that's fun right um but this is a fun episode. It it has its own way the story goes. I like that it's not just like a cookie cutter repeat of Winter Soldier because it's Captain Carter and because this universe has unfolded differently, things go differently. And I like that. Uh, number six, my number six favorite is episode seven. What if Hela found the Ten Rings? I mean, Thor Ragnarok and Shang-Chi are two of my favorite MCU movies. And so combining those things together here was the, like, just a great episode for me. Kate Blanchett is back to voice Hella here, and she is just doing the most in the best way possible. They get a very good um, stand-in for Anthony Hopkins because he is not um, voicing Odin here. Um, but the guy that they do get does a very good job mimicking Anthony Hopkins. And just the way that this episode kind of expands upon the Asgardians and 
their powers and the like Odin's treatment of his children <laughs> uh, in the MCU just makes me want Hela back in the main timeline so bad. Like, can we just figure out a way where she survives Surtur's like sword stabbing her in Ragnarok? Because Kate Blanchett is perfect as Hela. She's chewing all the scenery, and I need her back in live action like now. Um, number five is the first episode. Nebula. Uh, what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? This episode is essentially like Blade Runner. I I love that this show, at what if, every episode it could be a completely different genre. And the fact that they chose to start the season with this episode that was so neo-noir, so cyberpunk uh, in genre was just so cool to me. I, I love um, that kind of science fiction storytelling. And so having Nebula be like the grizzled, detective trying to solve the mystery on this really rainy Xandar uh, was an awesome start to the season. There's some great uh, things that we get from Korg uh, in this episode and Howard the Duck, voiced by Seth Green again. And it's just a really fun noir storyline. And Karen Gillan is always fantastic as Nebula. Number four was episode two. What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes? And I feel like that episode title does not really explain at all what this episode's about. But essentially, our setup is Yondu delivered Peter to Ego back in the 80s when he was supposed to. And so little Peter Quill is this kind of evil mini Ego. Uh, and that ego sends back to Earth. Uh, and so because it's the 80s, the Avengers are assembled a lot earlier in this timeline. I think that is like the gold of this episode is seeing these characters who we have gotten hints at their heroism in the MCU, but we haven't really seen on screen because the 80s is not a time period that we have seen a lot of in the MCU. We've just gotten it talked about uh, we're able to see some really cool things from characters. We've got like Hank Pym and Bill Foster in here. We have Marvel from Captain Marvel. Uh, we have the winter soldier popping up here, right? We have these characters who are around in this time period to be doing heroics, but we're actually getting to see them be heroes on screen, which is really cool. My number three favorite episode is the finale, episode nine. What if Strange Supreme intervened? Now, this is definitely the least standalone of the episodes, similar to the finale of season one. And so we get Strange Supreme back here from season one, and we get some nice things culminating with uh, Captain Carter and some of the other episodes in the season. And really, I think what works so well for me about this episode is that we see like the ridiculousness but also the epicness that the multiverse can really provide to storytelling in a fun way i think this episode is a great thing would be a great thing for the writers and directors of like king dynasty and secret wars to look at 
to see what you can really do in a fun way with the multiverse when it comes to the spectacle aspect of it. Like how could we top the third act battle of Endgame? Looking at something like this as inspiration for what to do in live action is a good jumping on point or a good starting point. Then my second favorite episode is episode six. What if Kohori reshaped the world? This episode is simply just beautiful. I love the idea that the writers and animators and directors for what if they said like, yeah, we can feel free to create new characters here. If we're already creating new versions of existing characters, what's to stop us from creating new characters? And so we have a very simple, like what if setup here that still ties into the MCU and the lore that we know, but then we have a new character created in uh, Kohori and the, the episode, the fact that the episode had the <laughs> creative audacity to not have like to have barely any English in the episode, the, the episode um, is primarily subtitled is amazing. The storyline about imperialism that we have here is awesome. And just, we have a new character here who definitely needs to get brought into the comics for sure. But I definitely want to see in live action as well in a secret wars type movie would be a great place to kind of bring this character in because she's just really cool and her storyline and what she believes in is really interesting. I also think establishing some things around MCU artifacts, I'll put it that way, and how that could be maybe brought into live action was really cool as well. The uh, last one, so my favorite episode of the season, is episode 8, What If the Avengers Assembled in 1602. Now, this episode doesn't have the, like, most shocking plot. It doesn't even necessarily have, like, the most epic of, like, moments either. But what this episode does have and why it is my favorite of the season is it shows how fun and ridiculous the multiverse can be. Most of What If Season 1 and even most of these episodes in season two have shown us slightly altered versions of the main MCU events where things go a little bit differently, but things aren't super different. But the fun of, of the multiverse is that you can have these wildly different timelines. And one of the comics favorite things to do is to have these basically, what if these superhero stories were taking place in a different time period. And this one does the 1602. So it's essentially if I took Marvel threw it in a blender with Shakespeare and Robin hood and hit blend, that's kind of what you get in this episode in the best of ways. Now it's my understanding based on what I've seen online. This episode is nothing like Neil Gaiman's Marvel 1602 comic, but it does pay homage there. And so just like seeing these kind of renaissance versions of Marvel characters was just so much fun to me. 
and like seeing where different characters would pop up and Tom Hiddleston getting to recite Shakespeare as Loki chef's kiss. Right. Um, yeah, that was my, my favorite episode of the season. I think to kind of wrap up my thoughts here, what if I think a lot of people, I think the mindset that people had with season one, we were still in that mindset with the MCU that everything had to be interconnected. Everything had to be building to this larger story. And I think over the past two years, as we have gone through phase four and started phase five of the MCU, those some of those fans that are putting that pressure on every single project to be pushing us towards something, towards Secret Wars, right? A lot of those fans have either realized that not every project needs to do that or they have left the fandom unfortunately but i think the like core fan base of the marvel cinematic universe is realizing that not every project is responsible for being an endgame type project or building to one in a in a big way that it's okay to have these movies that move toward that larger picture, but in incremental ways. And especially now that we have these shows, we can do these like crazy storylines that we weren't able to do before. And like embracing the variety of genres we're getting in the MCU, embracing the variety of types of stories we're getting. And what if is kind of, the perfect encapsulation of that where literally every episode can be something completely different. And I think that's why um, like this show is great. And they've already released a clip online of a moment of season three. So we know a season three of what if is coming. We also know that season two was being worked on like almost at the same time as season one airing. So maybe we'll maybe we'll be get to see a season three sooner rather than later. Um, I don't think we would see season three in 2024, but maybe we're looking at 2025. Um, maybe we could see it uh, like that quickly of a turnaround. Last thing I want to talk about is the release strategy for this. Now, if you're listening to me talk about what if and you haven't seen the show, this really doesn't matter to you because you can just go and binge it now, right? Because the season has wrapped. But this is the first time the MCU has picked a day-to-day release model, which was really interesting. So we didn't get all nine episodes at once. It, was, it wasn't a binge drop model. And it wasn't like season one where we had a week-to-week release. Instead, we had for nine days, one episode dropped a day. Now... I thought I liked it because it gave each episode its own breathing room. I also liked it since these episodes are shorter, they're more bite-sized. We didn't have to like wait a whole week just to get the next one where I feel like the show might have lost some momentum. I think having it nine days in a row just like kept the train moving. And there wasn't a lot else coming out around right around the holidays. And so it let the show kind of have its space and talk online um, all on its own. 
So I like this release model. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it will work for most shows. But I think since this was animated and bite sized, and like doing its own thing, I think it was the right model for this. And maybe we could see a similar release strategy with season three. So those are kind of my overall thoughts. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend. If you're any kind of fan of Marvel movies, this show is a lot of fun seeing these characters in different scenarios or in different uh, versions of their story. It's just a really good time. Thank you for joining me today and talking about Marvel's What If Season 2. If you're listening and enjoying the podcast, please uh, subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. And leaving a, a nice review would be even better. Also, if you have a friend who would like the podcast, make sure to share it with them to help grow our little community here. Once again, I am Miller C. Lashbrook. You can find me on Twitter at Mill C. Lashbrook, on Instagram at Miller C. Lashbrook. And for more Pop Culture Fay, you can head to our website, popculturefay.com, for blog posts and more content. Finally, I hope that you have a wonderful week, have a fantastic day, and I hope to find you the next time you wander into the forest of Pop Culture Fay.